Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio, that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. All right, well, good morning, Three Creeks. My name is Joel Trainer, and I get to be the pastor here. And this Sunday feels a little bit different than our typical average Sunday at Three Creeks. Usually we sing a couple songs on the front end, and I get to teach on the back end. But we're kind of flip-flopping it because we've got some exciting things uh, in store for us as the service goes on. And so uh, this morning, I'm going to teach week two of our series in Moses. I'm really excited about what God has put on my heart to share with you. Uh, somebody who's really special to our church is going to get baptized here after I'm done. And at the end of that, after, our, after that part of the service, uh, our community groups director, Steph Kossip, is going to come up and tell you a little bit about community groups and how to get more plugged in at Three Creeks. And so for all three of those reasons, I'm very excited and I'm thankful that you're here. Our vision at Three Creeks is to help people to find and follow God. And so wherever you're at on that spiritual journey, we're excited that you're here and we hope today that you take one more step towards God and discovering all of the ways in which God has provided for you and, and, and really figure out a little bit more about how much God loves you. Nobody has totally figured that out and we never will, but maybe today you'll experience a little bit more of that. I'm also excited. I saw some, some wandering prodigals wandering through the hallway. Our Ohio State students are back in the house today. They're back. We have endured the summer without them, and so wherever you are, I can't see you right now, but thank you. We're so excited that you're back, and welcome back to, uh, to Three Creeks. So week one of this series, last weekend I explained that Moses was this Hebrew hero, that he was an Israelite icon. He's the lawgiver. He's the military commander. He's the one with political power. He grew up in Pharaoh's house. And he's the deliverer, the one that comes back and takes all two million Israelites who are slaves and leads them to freedom from superpower Egypt. And they cross the Red Sea and they, they get to the brink of the promised land. And Moses is the one who is revered. I was reading this week, I'm doing this with a couple friends in our church where we're just kind of reading through the book of Psalms this month. And even in Psalms, in, in the 70s and in the 90s, there are references to Moses, even though those are written hundreds of years after Moses. You find Moses' names and references to him all through the Bible because he's a hero. And all of it started at a burning bush. Maybe you've heard that term or you've even heard this story, but in Exodus chapter 3, Moses encounters a burning bush. Bush. So if you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to Exodus chapter 3? And if you don't have a Bible, uh, two things. One, we've got some on a table in the back at Three Creek Central that you could take on your way out. Bring it next week or we'll put the verses on the screen behind me as well. Exodus chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1. Before he becomes the Hebrew hero, this is where he was at. Verse 1, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Moses, at this point, is 80 years old. And for the last 40 years, 
He's been in this place called Midian. He hasn't been in Egypt. He fled Egypt. Even though he grew up in Egypt, in Pharaoh's house, was touted as a future nation leader, he bounced out of there. He said, I'm going to go somewhere else. And he flees. And he lives in Midian for 40 years off the grid, no social media, no phone service. He grows out his hair. He wears chacos. This is Moses at this point in his life. And Egypt is out of sight and probably out of mind. And most likely the people in Egypt thinks Moses is either gone forever or dead. There's, this has been 40 years since Moses has been in Egypt. He got married to Zipporah. He had a son named Gershom. And then he finds himself in the far side of the wilderness on Horeb, the mountain of God, and I just figured I'd just read this part of the story to you. This is what happens in the first 10 verses of Exodus chapter 3. It says, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. And so Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And God said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. You might think that I'm not concerned about their suffering, but I, the Lord God, I see it. I see people in their suffering, and I'm concerned about it. So now, Moses, verse 10 Go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And so right here in these first 10 verses of chapter 3, God calls Moses. He says, I am sending you. He doesn't go to a lot of people and say this. This calling is unique and specific to Moses, he says, I see my people suffering and I want to raise up a deliverer. And Moses, I'm sending you. And then for the rest of chapter three and for the beginning of chapter four, Moses and God have a conversation. And I don't know about you, but I can relate a lot more to people in the Bible when they mess up than when they get it right. When they make mistakes or think like I think or make stupid comments towards God, I go, I can relate to that. That's how I feel. And Moses, even though he is this hero, you see, you see Moses not at his best. So he has this conversation and five different times Moses makes an excuse as to why he's not the guy. He, makes five, he gives five reasons why God should rethink this calling. He starts five sentences back to God with, but. 
And in every instance, God replies with, your butt stinks. The Lord gave this to me, and I hope that you'll receive it today. <laughs> your butt stinks. My butt stinks. Our butts collectively stink. There's just one T, no more giggling. What God is saying is that your excuses are offensive to me. And the reasons that you're giving aren't legit. And, and as, we, as we look and see at these five buts that Moses gives God, they are eerily similar to the ones that I give God when I feel like God's trying to move in or through me. And I think that perhaps you will feel the same way. So let's look at this conversation. Verse 11, but... Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses' first but is, but God, I am unqualified. Who am I? Why me? What have I done? What do I bring to the table that, God, you have chosen me? Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh. I'm not worthy of this task. I haven't been to Egypt in years. The people there either hate me or they think that I'm dead. Who am I? I am unqualified, God. Maybe, maybe you've had thoughts like this. But God, I haven't been a Christian long enough to do that. But God, I haven't been at Three Creeks long enough. The people there don't even know me yet. But God, I'm not married. But God, I'm too old. But God, I'm too young. But God, how am I going to raise kids to follow Jesus when I grew up in a home where my parents didn't do that? I'm unqualified for this task. Has anybody else in the room ever felt unqualified? And God responds in verse 12 and says, this is all he says. He says, I will be with you. That is his response to, I'm unqualified. God says, I will be with you. He doesn't say, no, you are. You've got what it takes. He says, I will be with you. In other words, the only thing that qualifies us is that God is with us. And I've heard it said before, and it's worth repeating now, that God does not call qualified people. He qualifies called people. The same moment, or excuse me, the moment that we think we have what it takes to lead or to serve or to parent, we've got it in the bag. Easy. We can do this. That is the same moment that God all of a sudden becomes pretty disinterested in calling us. He wants to, he wants to be the one that qualifies us. So what God, what God is saying to Moses is that it is not what you have done. It is not your resume. It is not your degree. It is not your experience that qualifies you. It is simply the fact that I am with you. And so Moses, God says, pardon my French, but your butt stinks. Your excuse stinks. It doesn't hold any water. It, it, it's not good enough because 
Moses, I am with you. And that in and of itself is what qualifies you. But Moses isn't even close to done. And so in verse 13, he says, But suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? What should I tell them? In other words, but God, I don't know all the answers. What if they ask me a hard question? What if I get nervous and screw it up? What if I say something that isn't true? But God, I don't know all of the answers. Has anybody else felt that way? Where you go, I don't, I don't know enough about the Bible to get involved in a conversation about the Bible. Like, I don't even know where the book of Exodus is in the Bible. Or, or you, might, you might have this thought. I know you wouldn't be the only one. What if I go to community group? What if I get in a small circle and somebody asks me a question and I don't know the answer? What am I going to do then? What if, what if you feel impressed upon your heart that somebody in your family or somebody that you work with or somebody that you work out with, somebody that you spend time with, they aren't at the moment following Jesus. They don't know who he is. They haven't put their faith in him. And you feel impressed upon your heart to introduce this person to Jesus and simply to say, this is what Jesus has done in my life. And you feel like you're the one that's supposed to share your faith and you've been dragging your feet. Chances are you're dragging your feet because you are nervous because you don't know all the answers. What if they ask a question and you don't know the answer to? That is a real thought that I have. What if they ask me something so hard that I don't know the answer to it. I'm, I'm supposed to know all the answers. It's my job. And what does God say? He says, Moses, your butt stinks. He says, God, God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. In other words, Moses, I've got your back. And if you walk in this, I'm not going to let you down. I am. God is sending you to them. I've, I've got your back. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to protect you. I'm even going to share with you what to say. Coincidentally, 1,400 years later, Jesus is walking around the earth, and he tells the disciples to go and preach the gospel, preach the good news to people who don't know about Jesus yet. And the disciples come to him all nervous and they say, well, well, well what are we going to say if, if we don't know all the answers? And Jesus at that point gives the same answer as God. He says, I'm sending you, the Holy Spirit will be with you. The Holy Spirit will actually help you know what to say. Have you ever experienced that in your life where you didn't know what to say, but God just gave it to you? And if you haven't experienced that, I know I'm going to step on some toes here. If you haven't experienced that, where the Holy Spirit fills your mouth and you say things that you did not even know that you knew, I would say it's probably because you haven't put yourself in enough situations where you need them to do that. And you might be missing out on this supernatural, miraculous experience where God will tell you what to say. If you and I 
wait to move. Like if God calls you to, to something, to, to say something, to do something, if we wait until we have all the answers, we're never going to move. We're, we're always going to come up with something we don't know because there always will be something that we don't know. And God's saying, I'm going with you. You can trust me on this. Moses isn't even close to done. Then he says, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me and they say, the Lord did not appear to you? Moses says, but God, there's too many what ifs. There's too many unknowns. It's given me some anxiety. I don't know if I can go into this with so much in the air, so much I haven't figured out yet. What if, like, and, and Moses, I'm sure this is just the tip of the iceberg of all the what ifs that Moses is thinking. What if they remember why I left? What if they don't like my wife? I mean, they, they, he's got to be coming up with hundreds of these what ifs. What if they don't believe me? What if they think I'm stupid? What if they think I'm a liar? What if they think I'm a fraud? Or maybe you've thought these. What if I stick my neck out there and nothing happens and I look like an idiot? What if I pray for someone who is sick and they stay sick? What if I pray for a relationship to be healed and it gets worse? What if? What if I do what God wants me to do and I lose friends? What if I do what God wants me to do and I feel like I'm missing out? What if I give what I really sense God wanting me to give and it doesn't really work out for me financially? What if I forgive? What if I step into that space and try to reconcile a relationship? What if I choose to forgive and it's not received? What if I make an invitation to go to coffee, to come to church, to go to community group? What if I make an invitation to someone and they turn me down? And the list is a hundred more of these what ifs. And we go, but God, what if that happens? And God says to Moses, Moses, your butt stinks. Your excuse stinks. He says, the Lord said to him, verse 2, what is in your hand? And I just want to summarize this story for you in chapter 4. You can go read it later if you want. But what happens, he, he says, Moses, what is in your hand? Moses holds up a staff. And he says, Moses, throw it down. And he throws the staff on the ground. And in this miraculous moment, the staff becomes a snake. And Moses' mind is blown. And God says, reach down and pick it up. And he reaches down and grabs it by the tail. And it turns into a staff again. And then he says, put your hand in your coat, Moses. And Moses puts his hand in his coat. He says, pull it out. And he pulls it out and his hand has leprosy. And then he says, put it back in. And he puts it back in. And he pulls it out and he's healed. Like that. And what God is saying to Moses in this is that, Moses, you cannot fathom how in control I am of this situation. You cannot fathom how powerful I am in this situation. God is essentially saying, listen, Moses, 
The sovereignty of God is the pillow that you can rest your head on tonight. You can trust me. I am so powerful. And the joy and the hope and the peace that you want in your life in the middle of all of the what-ifs, only I can give that to you. Only faith in me can give you certainty in an uncertain life. I am the only certain thing you can count on, Moses. What's in your hand? I mean, he just blows his mind and goes, I'm so, my enemy can't hold a candle to me, Moses. And so if I'm calling you to do something and you keep saying, but what if, Moses, it's not, it's not out of my control. I've got this whole thing under control. You never will. Don't try to get the control. I've got it under control. Moses has another one. He says to the Lord, pardon your servant. Now he starts apologizing. He's four butts in. They all stink so far. And he starts apologizing. Pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and tongue. I mean, it is kind of interesting that this Moses, who isn't a great public speaker, maybe he has a stutter or he's slow of speech and tongue, he's not eloquent. It is interesting that God calls him to be the deliverer of all of these people. You would think that that skill would be one of the prerequisites to this calling. And Moses is going, God, I do not have the natural skills to do this. I am not able to pull this off. You haven't made me that way. I'm slow of speech. I'm not good in front of people. I stutter. And it made me, it made me think, you know, what, what natural skills do we not have that make us go, but God, you can't possibly mean me. Like, has anybody else had the thought, but I'm not very outgoing, but I'm not very funny or creative, but I'm not very smart, but I'm not naturally a very bold person. I I care a lot about what people think about me naturally. I'm not naturally very disciplined. I'm not fill in the blank. What's your excuse? What's your butt? What's the thing that you go, but... And Moses go, or God goes, it stinks. It, it, you're, it doesn't make any sense because this is what God says to him. He says, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Is it not I, the Lord? God is essentially saying to Moses, I made you exactly how I wanted to make you. I didn't make a mistake. You are gifted and equipped and talented exactly how I wanted you to be. I didn't forget about you as I was creating you. I have made you exactly how I wanted to make you. With the personality that you have, with the skills naturally that you have, that's how I made you, and you're a masterpiece. I'm the one that gives people the ability to speak. So I could have made you a great speaker, Moses. I could have made you eloquent and not slow of speech, but this is how I made you, and I want to use you. And coincidentally, this is kind of a, kind of a 
maybe a caveat to this one. At the same time that God is saying, Moses, I'm going to use you even though you're not a great speaker, God is in the midst of calling someone else, Aaron, Moses' cousin, to actually come and be the spokesperson for Moses. All, God wants Moses to step into this not knowing how he's going to pull this off. And as soon as Moses essentially says, fine, I'll do it, God brings a teammate to make up for some of the lack of gifting that Moses has. And Moses and Aaron become this tag team duo that leads Israel out of Egypt. And so while, while God might be calling you to do something that is out of your natural comfort zone, he actually at the same time could be preparing somebody else to come and fill the gap. So when we, may, when we say, well, but, 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 it actually could be curbing somebody else's step of faith that they're supposed to take alongside you. And God is saying to Moses, listen, I made everybody weak so that I could show everybody how strong that I am. So step into this, Moses. And Moses has one more. But Moses said, and he apologizes again. He says, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. It's his last straw. It's his last effort to make an excuse. He says, will you please send somebody else? In other words, but God, can someone else do this instead of me? Isn't there anybody else? Can't we just find somebody who's already in Egypt so I don't have to move? Can't we find somebody else who's a little bit younger and has a little bit more energy? I'm 80, God. Can somebody else do this? And, and in this conversation, Moses wants what God wants. Moses wants the Israelites to be free. He just doesn't want to be the one that it falls on. So he comes up with all these excuses as to why it's not him. And it made me think, maybe, maybe this might offend you and you might leave and never come back. <laughs> but maybe you've had a couple of these thoughts. I really want our church to grow. But can somebody else invite people? I really want to serve Gehenna. I like that about our church. I like that we're not so inward focused. I want to serve Gehenna. But can somebody else sign up for that? I want our church to have enough money and be healthy financially to pay for their staff and the ministries to keep it running. But could somebody else be generous? I want my kids to love Three Creeks Kids. And I want those bounce houses to be set up every single week. Can somebody else do that? I want our church to be a praying church where people are praying a lot. Could somebody else be the one that goes back to the prayer team first? I want our church to be welcoming to new people. When a new person comes in and, and you can, they're looking around like, where is everything? Are we in a school? What is this? Can somebody else go and say hi? Because that's not really my thing. I want our church to have healthy community groups. Can somebody else lead? Can somebody else apprentice? Can somebody else host? I want to connect with people in our church. I want to make friends. I want to, I want to build meaningful relationships. Can somebody else start something and invite me to it? That, that would be nice. 
And in all these scenarios, we're essentially saying what Moses said, can somebody else do this? Where it might be what God's calling you to do. Even though you feel unqualified or ungifted or whatever, is that maybe what God's calling you to do? To step into a space where you are uncomfortable and God can make you strong. It's interesting, the answer to Moses' last but is different than all the other ones. In the last one, in verse 14, the Lord's anger burned against Moses. The Lord's anger burned against Moses. In all the other ones, when he said, I'm unqualified, God says, I'm what qualifies you. When he said, I don't know the answers, God says, I've got your back. I've got your back. When Moses said, but there's just too many unknowns, there's a lot of what ifs, God says, I'm in full control. When he says, I don't have the natural skills to pull this off, God says, I made you just like I wanted to make you. Just trust me on this one. But then at this one, when he says, can somebody else do it? The Lord's anger burns against Moses, the Hebrew hero. And the reason why is because when we make excuses and when we say, but, it is actually, it's offensive to God because it questions who he is and what he's like. When we say, but, when we make excuses, God, listen, God is so faithful. But when we make excuses, it communicates that we don't think that he is. He's so trustworthy we make excuses, we're communicating, we're not sure that he is. He is the provider. We make excuses, we're essentially communicating, I'm not sure that he will. This, this is true. It's true. And when we don't listen to what God says, we're essentially communicating, I'm not sure that it is. But when we say yes, Rather than saying, but, when God moves in our lives, rather than saying, but, here's my list of reasons why that doesn't work, when we say yes, even though, that is the space in which God becomes so real and so personal, and your faith just goes like this, because God will prove himself to care for you and protect you and have your back and give you the answers and give you the skills, and he'll be with you the whole time. That is the space in which a rich and meaningful relationship God festers and grows. That's where it happens. It's when we say yes, even though not, but God. Our butts stink. Here's how I want to close. I want to ask you some questions. This is not a to-do list. It is simply a series of questions. And the beauty of this is that the answers are going to be really different. Your answer might be really different than yours. Yours really different than theirs. That's the beauty of this. The beauty of this is that is the Spirit of God that moves and works in people. So here's my questions. What is God calling you to? What is God calling you to start doing? What is God calling you to stop doing? Who is God calling you to invite to church? 
What friendship is God calling you to try to repair? What sin is God calling you to confess? Who is God calling you to forgive? Who is God calling you to encourage? What amount of money is God calling you to give away? And who is God calling you to give it to? What role is God calling you to play in community groups? How is God calling you to serve? What is God asking you to lead? What is God calling you to abandon? Sometimes God calls people through burning bushes. Undeniable miracles, the voice of God, you can't shake it, unbelievable. Sometimes God calls people through providential circumstances where we go, ah, that felt like a coincidence, but you kind of know it wasn't a coincidence. It just felt different or bigger than that, where God lined it up. Sometimes that's how God calls us to things. Sometimes God calls us through his word. I mean, I talk to people all the time, go, what is God saying to me right here? What am I supposed to do? He wrote a lot of it down. So if you want to know what God says, spend time in here. Oftentimes, God calls us through this. And the last one is that sometimes God calls us by his spirit, where he puts something on our heads or on our hearts, and you just can't shake it. You know that feeling? So what is God calling you to do? And if over the next song, you sense him calling you to do one of those things or not do one of those things, then really the ball's in your court. You're going to say, but God, and make up an excuse. Or you're going to say, yeah, I'll give it a shot. I'm going to trust God. Let's see how it goes. Let me pray for you. God, for this next, over this next song, as you're moving in, in people's hearts and in their minds, as they reflect on Moses and the excuses God, would you prevent the excuse from gaining traction? And if they creep their head, or if they poke their head into our, our thoughts, God, I pray that we would shove them down and that we would keep this posture of, God, what do you want me to try? What do you want me to do? What are you calling me to? Don't let the excuses thwart what you're trying to do in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online, or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com.